This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. On a mission to explore the far reaches of cinema, three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cinenauts! This is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to another episode of Synonauts Exploring <laughs> the Criterion, in which we are going to start our new uh, four-episode exploration yes. of uh, the 1988 anime sci-fi cyberpunk classic Oof. Akira, or Akira. Uh, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time now. We're not going to cover everything in one episode. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, there are going to be some things left out, and I apologize ahead of time. It is a daunting task to do this in one. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm nervous. And I'm if we leave things sweating, it's yeah. going to be a good episode. Before uh, we catch up on everything, uh, there's some things to plug. Obviously, if you listen to last week's episode, uh, make sure you go check out Jordan's podcast, his film, Her Movie. Um, he was great. Yeah. That was yeah. so much fun. For those who are not subscribed to Film Hags yet, boom, there's a fun little episode this week. You want to chat about that? Yeah. So we've decided to switch up our format a little bit um, on Film Hags. So every other week we'll be doing like big episodes where we like dive deep into a movie um, similar to what we're doing here. On the off weeks, Maggie and Sophie, two of the the funniest hags, um, will be debating topics various topics um like they haven't pinned down exactly what every like episode will be but we're figuring it out and the last episode that they did that just came out today it's tuesday is they debated what which is the better rodent ratatouille or Stuart little and they had ian um come on to be like the neutral mediator and ask the questions. Uh, I listened to it this afternoon. It was hilarious. Yes. Ian, did you have fun <laughs> with my girls? I had a great time. Yeah. I had a great time. They were, they were great. Uh, yeah. yeah. And and for those who haven't listened yet, I have neither seen Ratatouille or Stuart Little. So I went in completely neutral and blind to the conversation. <laughs> we talk about anything you would need to know about um, in terms of determining the best uh movie rodent you know <laughs> things like who would you want to quarantine with and who you think would help solve these social and economic disparity issues you know <laughs> that we're all facing now so really really hard-hitting important questions that yeah. everyone needs the answers to so i'm i'm not gonna time. i'm not gonna spoil anything but i will say that i did walk in to like the beginning of the episode with an idea of who i thought mm-hmm. might pull away Mm-hmm. And I have to say, my like how I like by the end of the episode, I was turned upside down. Mm. <laughs> it was a healthy debate. I understand you're going. I, you may have some preconceived notions about either one of these rodents, but I, I, I dare you to go in as as blind as you can and just enjoy it because I think they might sw- you might be swayed one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I had such a blast listening to it. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, and there is quite the fallout today in over on our friend 70 millimeters uh, 
Discord channel oh that gosh. you can access if you go to uh, 70mmpod.com. Yeah. You know, we're not like, it's not our Discord, um, no. but the boys of 70mm are awesome enough to have like a Synonauts and Tape Deck channel in there. Yeah. So we enjoy promoting it whenever we can. If of you haven't course. listened to them, obviously go check them out. And if you want to just talk movies and like pop culture and just like general shenanigans in their awesome Discord VHS Village, go. It's like $4 a month. It's really easy. Shenanigans is a perfect word for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can talk to all three of us are in there. Other people from the tape deck world are in there. Obviously, the 70 millimeter people are in there. Whole group of awesome film lovers and pop culture lovers in general. So check yeah. that out as well. Uh, before we get, was there anything else I want to talk about before we catch up on our content consumption this week? I think we're good. Yeah, let's get into okay. it. Let's get oh, catchers already ready. What, <laughs> just you, just go first. Okay. <laughs> All right. I watched a few things this week. I'll just get to that stuff quick, then we'll get into the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I love. But potatoes. I, I watched. Uh, that's true. I also love <laughs> potatoes. Actually, um, uh, me and Emma were hanging out this weekend. It was kind of hot here in Toronto, so we were mm-hmm. keeping out of the direct sunlight a bit, and uh, we watched Aaron Brockovich. Nice. Classic. Just a classic. It's been a long time since I've watched that movie, and it's so great. It's kind of a little bit, like, cleaner, like, in terms of just the way things, like, wrap up and the pacing of things than I remembered it being. But otherwise, it's, like, really fun and really good. Um, Then I revisited a classic, a a childhood classic, My Cousin Vinny. Mm, Amazing. I love this movie so much. Uh, it's, it's, it's like not, it's not, it's not Anchorman, but it's got a special place in my heart. And there's some <laughs> gags and things in this that just like, just they get me every time. Uh, Marissa Tomei is hilarious. Her biological ticking clock is like still like one of the funniest, like, comedic things in a movie I've ever seen. It's so it's so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> And what else? Oh, yeah. I watched Bo Burnham inside. Oh, fuck. Let's get into it. We're doing yeah. it. Okay. We are. Let's do this. I, I keep meaning to do a segment that I've like decided to call like YouTube with Mike, but I just keep pushing <laughs> it every week. So maybe I'll do it next week. Okay. 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 But I really just want to talk about Bo Burnham inside. Oh, we, my. The, the three of us, I guess also Sophie, have been in the mix like, chatting up about this film comedy special on Netflix from Bo Burnham mm-hmm. uh, Ian quickly two seconds mm-hmm. your opinions on it just so we can set the stage because I'm basically coming in like boom came in to discuss uh, a trial of the Chicago seven and sort of determined mm-hmm. which <laughs> side or who's who whose side yeah. was right uh i'm uh, this is now my task this has been okay. put on me so ian you go and then boom so i liked it i'm not like a hardcore bo burning one i actually after tara and i watched it we were like do we even like his stand-up and we don't remember like watching it and like particularly like loving it so um but we really i i love we both love eighth grade like i think he's a very talented like filmmaker and and mm-hmm. writer um, so I went into this as being like everyone on the internet is talking about it. I guess I need to watch it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I think, yeah. So I, I'm on the side of, I enjoyed it. I think I gave it four stars. I, yeah. I mean, 
yeah i think the visuals are more impressive than almost anything else um he's just very talented like technically um yeah. and that was a really big thing for me when i was watching it's like holy crap like this looks amazing and is really well done um but yeah that's my high level i so <laughs> i am <laughs> in the, <laughs> i am carrying the unpopular opinion on this i gave it two stars Though I like wholeheartedly agree with Ian that it is like technically very impressive and like the visual element of this special is really cool, Um, especially considering that he like wrote, directed, edited it all on his own, like absolutely big ups to him. Um, The comedic aspect of it is more so what I didn't like. Um, I think I kind of went into it a little bit pointed because I was just seeing all this like praise coming in, people calling him like a literal genius. So I was like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to check this out. I have no opinion on Bo Burnham one way or the other. I saw eighth grade. I thought it was like pretty good. Again, more so on the technical side than like the actual content. But I just found th- that that the comedy itself and like the songs like the songs were okay but it just to me wasn't funny like I don't think I laughed (laughs) once and also I just think that he's lacking like any real perspective like everybody is saying like oh this is like capturing such an important like point in time and I'm like sure I think this is just like a collection of jokes that like we've seen being shared around in memes for like the past year. Like I, I didn't find mm-hmm, it to mm-hmm. be besides the technical and visual aspects of it, did not find it to be like particularly original. Um, so that is my high level. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. Okay. Good. Um, so I'm not a huge Bo Burnham fan in that. Like I haven't been hanging out with him since his early YouTube days. Like I just had heard about him in passing. I'd seen his last stand-up special on Netflix and possibly in like a few interviews or something. I don't know if he's like ever like, you know, stuff I've seen on YouTube of him being interviewed. Um, but I really liked his last Netflix special, which is saying a lot because I'm not one who particularly enjoys musicals or mm. like musical comedy. Um and so, but I just found his approach to be kind of interesting and like, um, like it's, to me, it seemed clear that there was something more going on than just the silliness on the outside. Like the silliness was sort of like a vessel to like get mm-hmm. the, his ideas in, but there was something more at play, which I found interesting. And I think with this, you know, I'm not surprised you didn't laugh at many of the jokes because I'm not sure like how much of it was supposed to be funny. Like, like part of me feels like that's how it started. And like, obviously I don't know the process of how he made it. I don't know if it's exactly how it shows or how much of that is dramatized or how much of it is like mm. reshot later. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way he had to shoot it. And so there are, it's clear he has ideas about what's going on and what he's trying to say. And, and it's a lot more than just the words in the songs. Mm. And I think he's sort of approached and it's at a certain point really just like for me at least stopped being a comedy special and more just became about an examination of like 
what one person's experience through the pandemic was. And like, so Mm -hmm. I I stopped trying to like wait for the humor and I just kept waiting to see like what he was going to say and how he was going to say it and how, like, and and what that meant. And like, I don't think I don't like, I don't want to right away call him like a genius masterpiece thing. I don't know that, but I think it's a really interesting approach to like video as a medium, you know, I think it's, yeah. Yeah, there isn't a lot of stuff that's like that. Um, I think he, even in the way that it's um, sort of trying to be like behind the scenes, honest is talking about like the world around us um, and how we, how everything can be performative. And I just like, yeah, it's not asking new or, or questions, but I think it's asking them in interesting ways. Mm. Um, and it's not like a stand-up special, like I was expecting no. like, that I think it would be sold on. The songs at times are weird. I would be interested to see if like if he could what he could do without music, just mm-hmm. to see. Mm. Um and maybe he just loves music and that's why he's incorporating it, or if he feels like he has to do the music because it's part of it, I don't know. But part of me says like he's just gonna do it because that's what feels natural to him. Like I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, he's clearly a very talented musician that's for sure the the music wasn't just like the same four chords over and over again for two hours like he was he was playing some like pretty sophisticated stuff there's some bops in there yeah for sure (laughs) yeah yeah it's just interesting to me because again this is being so highly regarded and so highly platformed and i understand what you're saying like i i i'm i understand why people think it's interesting i just when i like when i look at like content like this i just think people kind of are consuming it in a way where they think it is um like in some way like doing work like this self-aware white guy Mm. constantly talking about being self-aware and white um and i think like people think that they're engaging with some like high level discourse and i which like i think it's doing more good than it is harm truly but at the same time it's just like all the content these days i just find myself kind of like over analyzing these things and trying to understand like why this then becomes the standard because i think there's other things out there that are better and better representations of the times and asking the questions in interesting ways and also providing a means to kind of unpack and work through them where I've just found this to be very surface level. And Mm. when it comes to like any content that I have liked in my lifetime that like is, has is associated with like blackness in any way it then gets like taken and put under a microscope like there's nothing Mm. that like blackness touches that isn't then like picked apart right so i'm gonna like i'm a kid i see myself like i'm watching like rap videos and stuff like that and then there's just like this bigger conversation about like rap being like you know gangster music and all, all this shit so then or when even I, if a movie is like portraying black people well enough, if it's directed by a black person or whatever. Yeah, like exactly. Right? Like and it's, it's just yeah. like these things totally. get put out there and they just get picked apart and picked apart and picked apart. And for me, I'm just like, okay, so the thing that white audience, the things that white on- audiences are like holding so sacred, I'm going to do the same to that because mm. at the end of the day, like I again think that this is like good and like, you know, fine. And like, I, 
don't think it's like particularly harmful. But again, I just don't think it's groundbreaking. Like I, if you want to see something that's like bringing humor to kind of like hard storylines and like narratives and talking about like mental health and things like that, like check out Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You. I think that's doing like, Mm. it's very different, but it's like doing way better things than this is doing and in no way receiving the same praise or platforms that this is. Mm. So like that is kind of where my perspective is coming from. And Mm. wow, sorry. (laughs) I think that's all legit. My my thing is like, I I didn't see it so much as like, because I agree with you, Boom. Like a lot of the things that he was like singing about, like even though I thought some of it like was was pretty funny, not yeah. all of it landed with me, but a lot of it I thought was pretty funny, or I got what he was going for. Like none of it is thing. Like I agree with you, where none of it are things that no one was talking about. So I see that perspective. But for me, I was sort of watching it. It was more like a journal versus yeah. like mm-hmm. a performance. Like for me, especially when he was cutting between himself at like the the beginning of when he started the special towards the end and all that sort of stuff. I thought that in particular was like the more powerful aspects, not necessarily the things he was saying in between, like watching a guy who like was clearly not in like the healthiest of mental states throughout some of that. I mean, this is assuming it's all true. And I want to believe he shot this like with honest intentions and like kept it pretty like not dramatized. Like I want to believe that's, I'm going to assume that's the case for now. Um, You know, I I think the interesting thing was that you, it's really capturing what I think a lot of people, you know, sort of felt like they're doing that is harder to say in a tweet or harder, like to text with your friends versus like making fun of like people's Instagrams or like FaceTiming (laughs) with like your parents and stuff like that, you know? So to me that that's what was really interesting because you saw like a very clear, uh, I don't want to say degradation, but you, you saw someone like clearly dealing with like mental issues that I think, whether or not it's had to do with the pandemic, like people have felt various forms of like, I think what he felt of like loneliness and and feeling isolation mm-hmm. throughout their lives in various ways. So to me, that's what was interesting in particular, yeah. but not like the jokes or, or the songs. Per yeah. Se. He yeah. honestly, like, yes, it, it does offer up like a really good sense of like catharsis. And mm-hmm. also I do think regardless of everything I've just said, he, does a good job at kind of like holding a mirror up to society and kind of like capturing this like present moment that we're in. He did that quite well with eighth grade and again here. So I think like what you're saying is absolutely, um, is absolutely right. But I, I, I do 100% hear you that like, Every time like Chappelle puts out his new special, it's just like every single line is picked apart. Like he mm-hmm. should he have said this joke? Yeah. You yeah. know, why is he saying this? Blah, blah, blah. And I agree that I don't think I've seen the same discourse around Bo Burnham. And maybe that's like part of the strategy, honestly, like he's doing it like a musical and sort of like this goofy, you know, sort of perspective <laughs> yeah. that like sort of he kind of avoids that sort of discourse where Chappelle, especially his new stuff is very like this is serious you yeah know? he doesn't da- yeah. he doesn't like cover it up in spectacle he's just mm-hmm. saying things yeah 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 good point wow yeah. i would just like to quickly i would just like to quickly say that i may destroy like if i have to save one of the two of them and that's the <laughs> only, i'm saving 
I will destroy it. Like that. That's yeah. for sure. That wasn't the conversation though. But yeah. No. Yeah. yeah I know. But no. I just wanted to, because because I I just want to like I love that show and I just yeah. think it's incredibly dare like incredibly daring and incredibly impressive. That's what we're talking about. But yeah. I just wanted to get that on record. That I, I think my general show. like thing is just like if you like Bo Burnham, like Bo Burnham. Like there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also please like make sure you are kind of like pushing against him as the standard and yeah. seeking out other kind of like vehicles for of like people telling these stories and how mm. they're being told and who they're being told by. That's it. Mm. Like that's yeah. bottom line. Ian, were you prepared for so many debates this week? I'm always prepared. I'm always prepared for a debate, please. <laughs> Never catch Ian off guard. Never. Catcher, I'm saying you're yielding your time after that. We oh, yeah, for sh- sure. That's for sure. That's without <laughs> yeah. a doubt in my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, no, no, it's good. It's great. I mean, I knew we were going to talk about it, so it's fine. Uh, boom. Quickly, any big highlights on your end? Um. Okay, quick highlights. I did some Criterion Channel viewings um so i watched this film called girlfriends um it's a directed written by a woman it is kind of just i think it's kind of like the source of this like where all this like um mumblecore kind of like Mm. quirky um girl just trying to like figure out her life stuff comes for from and aspires Mm. to be um and it's was it came out in the 70s it was really enjoyable people should watch it um and then i also watched uh wong kar wai's happy Mm. together um Mm -hmm. because i'm trying to kind of like squeeze in some uh pride viewings because it's pride month happy pride uh everybody Mm -hmm. um and it was at absolutely i was absolutely mesmerized uh the entire time Mm. it's definitely a a bit of a hard watch the subject matter is intense it's kind of like goes down a dark path but it is absolutely stunning um it's like a visual poem Mm, nice (laughs) wonkar why love that guy we need to cover one of his films on here yeah nice uh let's see on my end uh i watched in the heights um oh. Tara and I oh went to God, a previous yes. screening. I know it's I know it's not out yet, so I'm not gonna go too deep into it. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Nice. I'm not a fan of the original musical, so I'll preface it by saying that. So I went in with like this is you know, this will be fine regardless. My main thing with it is that some of the se- musical sequences were like amazing, like really like, you know, jaw dropping stuff. And then a lot of them were just kind of like seem like they kind of threw them together so i think the lack of like consistency throughout like the the musical numbers it kind of like took me out of it a little bit um but cory hawkins um and leslie grace cory hawkins he people may know him from um straight out of compton he plays yes. dr dre he is amazing in this him oh God, and leslie so grace excited. they play they're like the second romantic leads in the film and their chemistry is like off the charts Ooh. uh really really good and then my only thing is my last thing is that so John M. Chu also directed in the Heights and he also directed Crazy Rich Asians. And he has a really, really good way of like capturing culture on film. Mm. Um, and so I kind of hope he kind of like navigates that road a bit more. Yeah. On film because obviously he did it perfectly in Crazy Rich Asians. Oof. Um, perfect 1010 movie. Yeah. Perfect 1010 movie. Uh, in uh, I mean, in the Heights, I am not 
Dominican or Puerto Rican, and I don't know like many people of um from there. So I'm like I can't really attest to like how accurate it all seems, but to me it appeared to be very accurate and there's a lot of portrayal of like, you know, obviously there when there's a meal being cooked, they like zoom in on the food. So obviously that was probably like a really traditional home cooked meal for people from, you know, the Dominican Republic and stuff like that. Um so I could tell it felt authentic. Um and he just does a really good job of capturing things like that. So I'd love to see him sort of like kind of continue to explore other cultures and, and, and groups of people yeah. in ways that haven't really been shown on film. So, um, yeah, perfect. That, that was my, and I hope he does that too. As soon as the crazy rich Asian sequel is locked and <laughs> yeah. loaded, what is <laughs> right. taking so long? Thank I know. You. I know we need it. We need <laughs> I still it. have not seen that movie. What? Okay. Yeah. Catcher. Oh my God. It's so I'm good. hanging up. Sorry. Bye guys. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, that was our catch up this week. Good chats. Uh, Blue, I'm sorry thoughts, we made you s- speed through your picks and talk endlessly about Pope Room. No, it's oh fine. My God, no, it's <laughs> fine. I was kind of amped. To, I needed an outlet. Yeah, yeah we needed that. Uh, if you have thoughts on Bo Burnham or anything we just talked about or Akira, which we're going to talk about in just a second, send us uh, an email or voicemail. Cinenutspot at gmail.com. We have a couple uh, we'll get to at the end of this or DM. Synonauts at Synonauts on Instagram. But right now, let's get into our uh, main discussion for the evening, which is 1988's anime classic Akira. um, Pronounced Akira. So if you haven't watched it, A, good luck keeping up with this conversation because it's going to sound like complete nonsense to you. Mm. Also, good luck because... It's incredibly <laughs> difficult to find. Or get a hold also, of. good luck because it's hard to find here in the United States. If you have Hulu, you could watch it. It's on there. It's where yeah. I watched it. Uh, also, Funimation, um, which is where Catcher and Boom watch it. You can you can check it out there. Just don't. Could, I'd rather you not. I'd rather you not download the app. I'd rather you not pay for the service <laughs> and just find another way. I had a terrible experience, and I just <laughs> it was the it was absolutely the worst. You can get the uh, physical. Also, you can get that on Amazon. I think it's like forty bucks right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so if you haven't seen it, it's uh, it, it basically it takes place in um, nineteen in two thousand nineteen uh, Tokyo, but it's being called Neo Tokyo after mm. uh, a like nuclear nuclear sort of apocalypse. World War Three happens over there, um, and it follows uh, the a biker game led by a guy named Canada Canada um, and his crew of friends. Um, basically they're kind of biker gang running around Tokyo. One of their friends, Tetsuo, he gets into a bike accident in which he comes in contact with like a, uh, uh, super powered child. Um, and the rest of the film is about Canada and his crew trying to get to Tetsuo and Tetsuo embraces the powers for better or worse. Uh, and it kind of goes there. It talks about politics, all sorts of, it's really hard to summarize this movie. So just watch the movie. Uh, I'm just going down a crazy hole there. Yeah. Sorry. I'm not proto. Uh, we should have just, we should have just had proto write the synopsis. Yes. Um, anyway, so uh, let's get (laughs) into our time machines. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and travel back to 1982 um where manga writer and artist katsu shiro katsuhiro uh, otomo 
writes and releases the first volume of Akira, um, the manga quickly became successful. And uh, in, in 1988, they decided, or he decided, you know what, he wanted to make this into a film because he realized, I can expand on this world of Neo-Tokyo and this world of Akira uh, and Canada and, and all the, these characters involved, but it's hard to capture it on paper, and I want to be able to do it on film. So he, uh, they, they put it to film, and what was interesting is that he had a bad experience converting one of his other mangas into film. And so for this one, he said he was only going to do it if he had complete control. And so when you watch it at the beginning opening credits, it actually says like the Akira group is one of the producers. And that's because Mm. he like fronted a lot of this money, like with his uh, collaborators to basically have almost complete control over uh, the the screen adaptation. Um, So he, he made this movie. It uh, was a pretty big hit in Japan. Um, I think it got to the number six or five spot for the highest grossing films of Japan that year. And uh, it was brought to North America in a super limited release, like a handful Mm. of theaters um, by a group called Streamline Pictures in 1989. Um, They were kind of known for bringing Japanese films to to American audiences. That was basically like their one thing they did. They Mm. brought Akira. Um, It made, you know, I think a million dollars here in the U.S., which is pretty good, especially at the time. Um, still small, but just like any basically great anime, um, that gets a hold of North American and Western audiences, it was really like the home release that sort of picked up steam. Um, you know, it it got released. And for those who are not really involved in the anime scene, um, a big thing in the anime scene is like tape tape trading, because a lot of times you have to get these tapes from Japan or Asian Mm -hmm. countries to get your hands on these things. So it's sort of like spread like a truly cult classic way as like a word of mouth sort of thing that people had to watch and like get their hands on this like super tough to get uh uh, release and movie that is like a game-changing anime for um the animation styles you know they incorporated a whole lot of techniques that hadn't been seen in anime or even like western animated films um the the themes it captured are just beyond um anything uh anime or north american uh, animated films are capturing i mean it tackles politics uh uh you know government i mean government corruption uh science fiction elements um you know religion uh, uh greed uh friendships all the sorts of stuff that that you don't really see in animated films especially at the time obviously uh animation has come a long way since the 80s but at the time it was very much grounded in you know there was in the heyday of disney again and the the renaissance era was about to pick up so it was very new uh, for audience to consume. And, you know, uh, since then, it's just often been cited as the greatest, one of the greatest animated films of all time. Uh, and just one of the most influential films, just like in science fiction mm. uh, or just in film in general. I mean, you can see pieces of Akira in modern Western pop culture oh, everywhere. Wow, yeah. Like, I mean, Ryan Johnson cited it a lot, like his film Looper. He's basically has said like, yeah, this is, kind of like my tribute to Akira Stranger Things Stranger Things yeah abundantly clear yeah. Uh, I hadn't rewatched Akira since watching Stranger Things and I forgot all these things like the vision I mean obviously the the numbered children with like science experiments one is named 26 I mean even how one of them just kind of stays in like a room that you kind of see 11 in in a lot of season 1 uh Kanye West uh highly oh God, influenced yeah. in 
he has tweeted, I, I looked like three or four times just like about Akira and how much he loves this movie. I think he said <laughs> his two favorite films ever are Akira and There Will Be Blood. Um, also, <laughs> which is hilarious and amazing. I love this guy so much. I know, he's insane. Uh, and, you know, if you watch the music video for Stronger, it's mm. very, very Akira influence and he has made no decisions hiding that. Um, and then in terms of like its relation to Criterion, as Catcher asked last week, is it in the Criterion? So it actually got only got released in Laserdisc form. Um, it was the 150 first? 100... 50 it was 151st spine amazing um of the laser disc but it has not been re-released in proper criterion form so if you want it actually on criterion you have to hunt down a laser disc uh to, to watch it um but it has since recently been released in like this 4k edition mm. uh that i think funimation actually put out but um you know the the reason i wanted to pick it is a we hadn't done an animated film yet and the animated films are far hard to come by in the mm -hmm. criterion um, they're only like a handful. Um, and I just, you know, haven't watched this movie in years and just have always known that it's just touted as this incredibly influential movie. And I think we're going to get into that. So um, what, my, my sort of opening question here is, I think mainly for Boom, because I know you hadn't seen it yet. Oof. Uh, what were your like thoughts uh, on this, this movie? Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what were my thoughts i had all the thoughts like every thought anyone could ever have were had during the viewing of this movie um but no i was like completely taken by it um but it was a lot denser and packed full than i was expecting um but my experience viewing it was similar to like the way i feel when i'm like watching a nolan film sorry ian um, like not, no, I don't um, mean that in like, I'm comparing it to a Nolan film. I just no, mean I know that what you like mean. Yeah, yeah. the experience, like watching it where I don't know, like it takes a lot of brain power and there's this like incessant need to like understand it, uh, which I mm -hmm. don't think I fully do, especially, uh, even after two viewings, but I'm excited to talk about it. But yeah, so I think it's challenging and also, I think it comes like a little short when it comes to like nailing all the themes it's trying to touch on. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming mm -hmm. that is something that was like explored more so in depth in the mangas. Um, mm -hmm. Is that a manga? Manga? Um, yeah, manga. It's so entertaining and visually exciting um, that it becomes just like one of those classics that you can watch over and over again and like learn something new every time. So I think it's a success in that regard. Um, but I do think overall it's a little disjointed and won't be fully enjoyable unless you're like a literal genius or you are ready <laughs> to go digging. And that, that's, <laughs> that's how I yeah, felt about it. So the, the manga lasted for a lot of you, like seven or eight years. Catcher, you might know this more than I do. I know you're much more involved in comics than I am. Um, I don't but, know how many years, but there was at least like six volumes. Yeah, and 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 the uh, the movie came out before the series ended, and so um, uh, Katsuhiro Otomo he actually wrote the ending first, and then went backwards in the screenplay for the film to make sure it all pieced together. Which mm. uh, I think fans of Game of Thrones would have appreciated George R R Martin 
sort of did uh because it's tough you know like like you said and he has talked about like he wanted to capture all these things and all these themes that he has in the manga series and put it into a movie um for for better or worse like like boom says for me i think and i've seen it a handful of times um i i really appreciated it and i think again what another one of these movies where i watched it so long ago and watching it now sort of like bigger eyes i sort of capture a lot more than i mm-hmm. would have before um but yeah so anyway catcher what were your overall thoughts uh just to finish what you were saying so it was from december 6th 1982 to june 11th 1990 okay so, yeah, like so eight, eight years. years so that's not a short amount of time um yeah, this is, I think, it's got to be like maybe the second or third time I've seen this. I haven't read all of the manga, but I've read, I think, at least three volumes of it. Three, or, Yeah, I think about three volumes. Um, it's a cool-ass movie. But <laughs> everything Boomy said is, I think, pretty on point in terms of it. it's odd in that, like, nothing happens and yet a lot really happens mm-hmm. like things just sort of like happen like scenes just sort of occur and you don't know why necessarily all the time um and that gets you one like it does this weird thing where you don't know why it's happening but you still want to know why but there's no mm-hmm. way to know because they just don't give it and so in that weird way it makes you kind of want to learn more about it um but that as a movie kind of makes it hard to like call it a movie in that way like it doesn't just give you all that 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 you need in terms of like a normal structure Mm -hmm. you know i think the film does a really good job of helping you put pieces together like i felt like he drops you in this world with literally no like you know with with nothing like at the beginning you see i guess what is the initial akira explosion that causes like neo tokyo and this world you're in but they don't explain it I feel like he does a good job and the the film does a really good job of like letting you put together the pieces that you need to understand like where people are are coming from. Like all the seeds get planted and I did like a loop around, right? So I watched, did my first viewing, was confused, but still enjoying it, went and read some stuff and then like dived into the second viewing. And I was like, okay, like I feel like I have a handle on this now. So anybody who hasn't read like the mangas I recommend just kind of doing that because like you'll get everything you need to like get out of it is is definitely there um mm-hmm. you you just got to work for it <laughs> yeah yeah agreed yeah <laughs> can't imagine like having watched this in like 1991 with zero access to internet or like additional discourse imagine? as to like what this movie is about like it would be, be crazy and i think that's what helps these movies like gain cult like status is when like it requires conversation and finding people who watch this movie to like explore the themes around it and i think that's what helps like propel movies like this into sort of this canon of movies that you have to watch um you know to mark off a checklist or 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 something like that yeah um uh let's talk a little bit about our our cast of characters here so uh We have Canada Kaneda, who is like our our main character. Um, again, he leads like this biker game with uh, Tetsuo uh, Ryu. Oh no, Tetsuo uh, Kiori, uh, Yamagata, and some other folks. Uh, Kai as well. 
Uh, and and my my note at the end of this movie is, if Kanada had just let Tetsuo ride his bike, <laughs> everything would be fine. Everything would be fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah, everything could have been fine. But uh, uh, catcher, what do you think of um of of Canada and our, our cast of the biker crew? We'll, we'll stick with the biker crew for now. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I don't know what. There's like two dubs of this movie. In terms of English dubs. Oh, I watched the sub version. What did you two watch? I guess we should cover that also. dubbed. You watched dubbed? Yeah, I also watched the dubbed. Uh, I wanted to watch it subbed, but the Funimation app was giving me the worst experience of my life. So I just was like, I will, whatever you'll give me, I'll take. Um, In that way, I I, I have a sneaking suspicion there is a a more recent dub that has better voice acting that I would (laughs) have definitely, I think, preferred. Um, (laughs) some of it is like, it's just a little too cheesy. Um, but that being said, the characters themselves are really like, to a point, very interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, the struggles of Tetsuo, who's like, arguably maybe the main character of this versus Mm -hmm. Kaneda, like Kaneda is in all the hero shots. He's the Mm -hmm. one who has the bike. He's got the pill jacket. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it's like, he's in all the marketing. Um, but it's really like in this particular story, like the anime, Tetsu is definitely the main character and his like mm-hmm. struggles with like being a kid and like feeling left out and wanting to be mm-hmm. cooler than he feels like that he is. And like what stems from that um, is all really done well. And I think oh, yeah. everyone else, unfortunately, for the most part, gets like a pretty cardboard cutout version of like their character's traits. Mm-hmm. And he is like the cool guy who's got to sort of have that journey of like putting in the work and not just being a snobby young kid. And, you know, and and the general doesn't really learn much, I guess. And everyone mm-hmm. else just sort of like has to experience what's going on. Um, the mm-hmm. characters, just, they're just not as complex. Um, as the manga is, I think from my perspective, like you just obviously get so much more time and space and to mm-hmm. grow them. And so you get all of these, like say it, they say it and don't really show it in yeah. this a lot more than you might get in the anime, in the manga. I almost felt like, um, Canada's character was like almost obsolete up until mm. the end yeah. like i was struggling to understand like how he was contributing to the story um he's a low-key <laughs> fuck boy honestly yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a low-key fuck oh i want to go get a drink oh whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you were just in like a like a terrorist attack you might yeah, maybe yeah. just give the girl some space <laughs> to like sort her shit out dude Relax. yeah because yeah. I, I just felt less interested in what was going on with him. And I just kind of wanted more with like uh, Tetsuo's journey, uh, which we do get mm-hmm. a lot of. Uh, and in the end, it comes together and you kind of understand like their yeah. relationship. But at the same time, just certain things that he like that Canada's doing just aren't explained enough, I think, because mm. it's just... He's so invested in finding Tetsuo, but then immediately just tries to kill him, uh, like in in the stadium, which makes sense because he's like fucking shit up. But also, I'm like, why did this fall on Canada's like hands? Like, right. why is he the one carrying this through? 
Um, <laughs> and these are the questions. Valid, valid questions. That's a that's a totally totally valid question. Uh, and and I think that sort of comes back to boom your point. I guess catches yours too about how there just wasn't enough flesh down. There are like a lot of characters. Yeah. Um, because like like with the government, um, like the government plot line, they do a lot there, right? Like they they yes. cover uh corruption within the government. <laughs> we have a, a mole in the government who wants to take down this secret Akira project. Be, uh, but then you don't really know is he doing it for good or is he doing it for evil? Um, you have that one scientist who like wants to harness the Akira powers, uh, just to see like what will happen. And then even like, even like the commander, like you think he's a bad guy. Uh, but then at, there are some points where I was kind of like, maybe he's doing the right thing of like keeping it like tucked away, you know, like I never explicitly heard him say like, we need to use this to like destroy the world. He was like kind of experimenting and yeah, he got like greedy with it, obviously, but maybe he was right just to tuck Akira away and never tell anyone about it. Right. And you know, I, I, but I guess that's the complexity, right? Is that everyone kind of has their angles of what yeah. they think should happen versus just having these cold, concrete, like yeah. good guy, bad guy stuff. Because I mean, even Tetsuo, like he eventually becomes like the villain, obviously, but even still, it's like he was kind of forced to become this, right? Like he got put in this situation that mm-hmm. he didn't want to be a part of. No one was helping him. And even when people tried to help him, he has this like baggage of years of maybe not what he saw as abuse, but maybe it wasn't like friendship abuse. You know, it was just, you know, as we kind of see in the final scenes where he kind of like comes to terms with like, maybe he was just seeing their friendship in like the incorrect way. But yeah, you know, even still, there's just all this like levels of complexity and depth that I think makes it something that you have to read like constant. You don't, you don't necessarily see it, but you still feel it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was just thinking that though, because like as Ian is just, (laughs) was just describing all that I stuff. Was like, I was like, yes, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, okay, wow. Was this, was this movie actually awesome? Like in a weird way, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's found it's seeped your way into the brain. And like, again, leading maybe to its cult quality, which is like, as you're watching it, it's all sort of flows over you. But then as you're talking about it, you're like, wow, this might be the coolest thing I've ever heard. Like, yeah. and, and somehow it's like, it, it, it's like a better movie somehow like even though what you saw was cool it's like somehow it actually meant more than maybe you even realized as you were watching it and like this now all of a sudden feels like the movie in my mind the fountain always was but it's like (laughs) i was thinking about the fountain when i was watching this because i was like i'm so confused but like this feels huge right 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 right, (laughs) exactly and and sort of that feeling i got back then which like i sort of came to the realization on our episode was like oh maybe it's not sort of like as complicated and as dense as i thought it was when i was a kid but this kind of like is giving me those vibes again where it's like oh maybe there is a lot more going on than i realized and i think part of it too is i was listening to a podcast talking about it and um on the blu-ray there is uh, a special like mode called capsule mode where mm. what it does is it translates all of the writing that's happening in the scenes, like in the backgrounds, like graffiti mm-hmm. or whatever, like mm. all the, so, and a lot of, there's a lot of like context mm. in what's being written. So it's like, it's actually quite layered where he's really taking the medium of film and it's being like, there's a lot we can do with it. There's a lot you can show on screen. And 
I think maybe there's a chance he's actually using it all up in a way that's like really fulfilling that now I'm like, wow, I really want to just watch this again because I think there's like so much more there than I'm even I think realizing. That speaks to like the visuals and like the animation itself, right? Because I think if we were to like take this um kind of this film um and it was live action but like just as is there's no way we would ha- have like as an enriching as an experience as we do um watching this because I think he really does a good job at of like exhausting the like limitless possibilities of mm-hmm. animation and that's like mm-hmm. very apparent even though you're like there's just so much going on all the time. You're not going to catch it all. But that's, again, that's why you watch it over and over again. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, enjoy doing so. Yeah, I, I I fired it up, like, at, like, 10 o'clock at night the other day. And the opening <laughs> sequence was just, like, unbelievable to yeah. watch. I mean, yeah. the, the, the Hulu version, like, it wasn't the 4K rip. And it was clearly, like, a, a digital, digitized version. But... It looked really, it looked pretty good. And like the light bikes and all that sort of stuff, it was like uh, almost like abrasive seeing this on like such a huge, like, I mean, on like, a, on like my TV uh, and just like these bright lights and like all the music coming through it and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it, it was just, you know, it was so cool to watch. And, and what I thought was like, this doesn't look dated. You know, you can watch a lot no. of animated movies from the 80s. I mean, even from like the 90s, early 2000s, like this looks like an old movie. But like the techniques they were using and, and I can't speak to any like actual technical things they were doing, but what they were doing worked. And, you know, yeah. this movie is praised like in animation circles that like the things they were doing and to get the light effects and all that sort of stuff is what made it look so like powerful on screen then. And I think it still looks like incredible now. There are fewer cooler images in like all of film that are like as cool as the light tracing on bikes riding down the street. Like there is nothing (laughs) cooler than that. Like it's just so genius in the way it's like capturing movement Mm -hmm. and action, you know, and it's just like, you're just sucked into it. And I think that's, what's like, you end up leaving because there's the themes of it are sort of like so dense in there. You walk away. Just the one thing you can remember easily is, Holy crap, did you see that? Like the the end sequence with like Tetsuo sort of like morphing and changing oh and gosh. growing. And it's just like, why? And you don't know why. You know, like you don't know why it's happening. He just is morph like you like you kind of know in like a weird way, like, oh, something is happening, but you don't know what the reasoning and what it means. But God, if it's not like grotesque and disgusting and like but so captivating to watch and like mm-hmm. the way the tendrils grab onto things and the way you feel mm-hmm. suffocated when Canada's like inside and getting squeezed and you're just mm-hmm. like, Oh God, everything's so visceral in that way. Like mm-hmm. everything feels so tangible. Um, and so much of it is like the way the style it just oozes off, like off the page, off the screen. It's just crazy. Speaking of, of that end sequence, like oh. something that, I think is very cool about this movie is that you kind of get a sense of like eighties Japanese politics with me having zero clue 
of like any of what their politics were then right like yeah i think um you know it's obviously an anti-war you know story and uh an anti uh you know there's you know martial law story and people mm-hmm. should be able to rebel against their governments but then while it's that it's also showing the flaws in these people who are worshiping and trying to fight against this government like looking for a higher answer which is like akira and what could happen if you put your faith like in the wrong things Damn, yeah. right because both sides of the coin fate lose right like yeah and i think a really powerful thing is that like it ends in like the olympic stadium which is wild because the tokyo is actually hosting the olympics next year so and they were at the time too no they were at the time too right so yeah right so you know it kind of shows like i think obviously there's so much controversy whenever a, a country hosts the olympics just because it's a huge you know there's so much money involved with it and like you know is it worth this all this stuff and so having sort of all these things that are controversial to Japan and Tokyo at the time, like resulting in like a literal like collapse of like an atomic explosion, mm. like consuming everything around it into like this, what results into yes. like literally nothing is just like a really powerful sort of sentiment you get to see in there. I don't know. It, it was just like so no, crazy yeah. to me when like, at, cause I didn't really remember the end of the movie. I remembered like the big blob and all that sort of stuff, but, yeah. I didn't remember the detail about how Kaneda, like he kind of grabs a hold of like Tetsuo and the other three children and like it just vanishes, right? And it's sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, these three things could sort of collapse under the weight of all these people trying to fight for it or whatever. And then it just like turns into nothing. And kind of literally Kaneda just like gets on with his day. Like his boys show up and like they yeah. like ride off on their bikes, you know? Oh my God. I don't know. They're. That <laughs> one guy like ruined the moment so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're alive! <laughs> yeah. but, and that's like so well said. Also, like I'm like blown away by what you just everything you just said. And I also kind of got. I just felt like the ending was such like a awesome culmination of like everything that was going on that you were confused about. And it's like in that moment, you're just like, okay, like. I I see it here and and I think one of the themes that I kind of took away was just um Tetsuo like trying to kind of like contain and harvest this power and then it kind of becoming like bigger than him and him Mm -hmm. not being able to control it and it ultimately destroying him which I thought was like pretty powerful commentary on basically everything you just said um especially like nuclear weapons as Mm -hmm. well um so that's something that like read loud and loud and clear um also thought it was so interesting that like the blob was a baby i got big 2001 vibes from that catcher Mm. kind of that whole sequence felt very like stargatey especially like with with like the baby at the end there but oh that's interesting yeah i think too like it's just going back to the characters and you were like well the you know like the the colonel or whatever is he a bad guy and it's like just to building on what you were saying, like no one is a bad guy. You know what I mean? Like there are no villains in this. Like everyone has a stake and they're all sort of fighting for what they think is their thing that they need to do or they're learning about what it is that they need to do. But like no one is ever really wrong. And I mm-hmm. think that just like leads more to some of the stuff you were saying too, where it's just everyone's fighting. Everyone mm-hmm. just fight like 
desperately fighting for everything. It's like, okay, and then you get that thing that you want, and then what? And then nothing, and then all of it was for for what? Right, mm-hmm. Beca- because, like, uh, uh, Kay and Ryu, like, the, the rebels, terrorists, or whatever, however they're booked, like, trying to get the, the, the Akira kids, what were they going to do with them? Like, I don't know. Like, what was their plan? <laughs> well, it's just know? like, oh, like they're, they're being gonna... held, they're being held captive, you know, against their will, I think is kind of the idea, right? And it's like, we're going to go in and right. save them. It's like Greenpeace or something, you know, where it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, we got a mission. We got to go and we got to go and fix it. It's like, do you mm-hmm. even know what you're fixing? And then it's, you know, right. it's like, you don't have, a, yeah. you don't even know actually what's it's behind. bigger than you. Well, bigger than you know, you know, and, right. yeah. and the scientists are like, it's cool. We just got to keep this shit under wraps. It's fine. Yeah. You know, this is what we need to do. It's like, why? For what purpose? Like, what are the other than hiding? Yeah. It's, you know, hiding and keeping things hidden. Uh, boom. I know you had some thoughts on uh, Canada and Tetsuo. Did you want to touch on these now or did you want to hold that for later? Oh, <laughs> no, I'll, talk, I'll I can talk about it now. OK, so I think I mean, obviously, their friendship is. At the beginning, you kind of get a sense of like their dynamic and how it works. Um, but mm-hmm. then for the most part, they're like apart for the movie until the end. Um, <laughs> and there's just kind of like this turmoil that's going on between them and this like back and forth. And I'm like, what are they trying to prove to each other? Like what's going on? And I just had this thought in my head, obviously, where I was just like, this is slightly homoerotic in the sense that like, I think that they want to bang and (laughs) are just so frustrated about it that they're (laughs) trying to destroy each other. But it is a very interesting exploration of friendships and dynamics and toxic masculinity and how those things come into play and how that kind of gets and especially with Tetsuo like how that gets internalized and then Mm -hmm. forces itself outward um Mm. I think Tetsuo like loved him dearly and it was like his best friend in the world but also Mm -hmm. like hated his guts because he felt like um you know, less than and just, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and it, yeah, I, that's how I feel about it. And I think they should, should have probably just kissed faces and everything would have been fine. (laughs) If they had just like bound two together, Oh my gosh. could drive the motorcycle and then he could just sit in front and they could just hug and kiss. Like that would have been perfect. (laughs) That would have solved everything. Exactly. Uh, and I, I, we keep just talking about the ending scene because I think it's kind of hard just to not talk about the ending scene over and over. But I, I thought it was so powerful how um, a Kaneda like goes back to like try and save his friend that mm. like one last time. And, you know, what he's he's like, are these your dreams? Right. Oh, and it's yeah. clearly like, you know, he first sees his dreams as like Kaneda was this guy who like bullied him. And I got the impression that Kaneda was like, fighting against Tetsuo's like uh, internal sort of uh, psyche by saying like, no, 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 no. Like look at it again. Like look at it again. I came to help you that one day and all this sort of stuff. So, and then it was like at that moment that he was able to sort of like release Akira from like within him and, and cause the explosion or whatever. So 
um, I, I thought that was like pretty powerful because oh, yeah. I think especially in in Asian cultures, like uh, you know, men don't really share emotions. Like mm-hmm. I, that's kind of a universal term. Like men don't tend to not share emotions, especially like between other men. But particularly in Asian cultures, I think that's like very like a very strong theme. Like you know, dads and sons. There's so many. You know, any like of my Asian friends I've spoken to, we all have that sort of un everyone knows that they've had that relationship with their dad at one point or another where like there was sort of, you know, he loves you. He knows you love him, but there's like, this is not really this spoken of communication there. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's captured really well with Canada and Tetsuo. Obviously they're not father and son, but that unspoken sort of, relationship and like machismo sort of thing and i think in japanese culture pride is a very strong like part of um the japanese culture and i think it's shown really well there and sort of and captured like like what boom was saying like it was too late to do it you know it resulted in uh this explosion happening and, mm-hmm. and people, you know thousands of people dying in the city getting raised and all sort of stuff so you know just themes like that i think all really come together at, at the end of the film absolutely yeah anything else people want to talk about before we get to our categories <laughs> the music in this movie yeah yeah is oh, God, amazing so you, normally ian fuck? brings up the music he's like god the music in this and i go yeah but really i'm like i don't remember the music that much because i almost <laughs> never it's very rare that i remember music from movies it just becomes like a natural part of the background but this is obviously the the sounds they're using are definitely kind of weird, and they gave me like Vangelis vibes mm, from mm-hmm. Blade Runner, where it's like mm-hmm. this very like abrasive, obvious music. But mm-hmm. God, if it's just like not the most cool sounding mm-hmm. thing I've ever heard. It was like so cool, yeah. Just like the how do the sounds they use? Then there's a lot of like vocal performances like that yeah. they use and manipulate, and it's just like God, it's it's excellent. It's so there's excellent. Like- the chanting or like there's it's weird because it feels really like classic and traditional but also feels like very futuristic and Mm -hmm. like huge like it was it was just Mm -hmm. such a interesting vibe and like very unique and and the music was just i was dying dying for it like i absolutely loved it it gives it like a certain gravitas, like you were saying. Like yeah. it, it and the sound it, design in general, like mm-hmm. just like moments when they decide to just leave it like completely silent are yeah. really impactful. Um, like and when then, Tetsuo goes to space, there's no yeah. music or no sound or anything when he's just shoving that laser beam, <laughs> the soul beam around. Like that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. It goes silent. And speaking oh. of Nolan, I mean, Nolan does that really effectively in Interstellar, yeah. where like he cuts the sound for when like they're in out of space or whatever. Um, yeah. I'm sure that was like a nod there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like another predictive thing about this is that I think the music works really well because it sounds like it could have been scored like today. You yeah. know, a lot of old sci-fi movies sound like they were 80s sci-fi movies, but this sounds like it no, could have been yeah. scored by some like, you know, electronic music producer. Or even like Johnny today. Greenwood's score from There Will Be Blood. Where it's sort mm-hmm. of like those like really odd percussion stuff, stuff similar totally. vibe there as well. I think I need to watch. I there will be blood. Wait, have you not seen that? 
No, I haven't seen it, but um, I got like in the letter box roulette on the 70 millimeter Discord. Mm -hmm. uh, Ismail got me, and that's the movie I have to watch. So I'm super stoked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I join you for that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm probably going to watch it this weekend. There's a time limit. Oh, yeah. I should do that shit. Oh, man. What a fucking movie. Yeah. Um, Okay. So good. (laughs) There is one thing I wanted to, one thing I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, how I felt so bad for Tetsuo's girlfriend. Yeah. Like, yes. But oh like, my God. not like, obviously like there's that one really horrible thing happens to her, which was like the worst and honestly hard to watch. But, and they like, all just like walk past her. Like, she's literally, oh, sorry, did I scoop you on that? <laughs> no, no, no. Like a hundred percent. But yeah. it's like, so that was like, obviously really horrible, but like literally anytime she's around, like just everything sucks for her and i just i just felt so bad for her like but she does tetsu's girlfriend does end up like getting eaten and like they have that yeah. really gnarly scene where she gets squished they, oh, oh yes they really put her through it they like, did, oh, they did. God, that poor and that that could actually all add to like the sort of you know maybe secret tension between Kaneda and tetsu is he can never give his full heart to his girlfriend because he yes. was just pining or, or or had this devotion to Kaneda that we never allowed him to give his full heart over, you know. Mm-hmm. That, Agreed. That, that, could, that could all add to it, too. Their relationship oh, does sort of, like, get much more flushed out in the manga. Like, of the mm. stuff I've read, um, it definitely becomes, like, like what you sort of get, what you, what you the vibes you, the movie gives you just gets expanded on. Like, it, it's definitely mm. not different. It's definitely the same sort of almost one-sided relationship. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Well, that was our attempt at... Akira. Uh, do, Sorry about do that. We, do we? <laughs> no, I think we did good. Uh, yeah, we did good. Uh, Want to go to our categories? Yeah, I think yes. so. Cool. All right, so let's kick off with our uh, Criterion moment. Who wants to go first? Obviously, like, the ending was huge. Um, But I think my Criterion moment is opening sequence. The, mm-hmm. with the bike races and, like, gang fights. It sets up uh the atmosphere really well good world world building um the the city uh the animation of the city in those scenes are the best they look for the whole film like they always look amazing but i was like dumbfounded um so yeah nice good pick catcher thank you yeah that was my pick uh let's see um <laughs> you could say it no, I know, but I just, there is a lot. I'm just, what else would you say? It's hard. It's like, I, I it's hard to pick because like that to me is the the thing that stuck, has stuck with me the most because it just became very clear after us doing this episode that there's like so much in there that I just, I want to unpack more of. Um, and that just stands out in terms of just like the way they use light. Like I think some of the techniques they use was actually shining light through like mm-hmm. the screen so a lot of like the headlights and stuff is all like natural light that's why it looks mm-hmm. so, so bright. bright um and i just think it it explains so much about what the whole movie is as a whole which is he's so concerned about every small detail like getting every little detail right and making sure that every detail means yeah. something and like he's not leaving any inch of the screen off i yeah. read that like I don't know how animation works at all so like sorry if I'm just not getting this right 
Um, but that the like amount of drawings per second is like one of the highest, mm-hmm. for, at least for that time. Like, I think it was like, I think it was like 24 or something. They nope. used 2,200 shots and 160,000 single photos, which is a shit ton more yeah. <laughs> yeah. than a normal, but nor- <laughs> than a normal but anime. Normally, movie. like animation, especially anime, would be done at like 12 frames a second. So the animation is not so smooth. But in this case, they did like what film would be, which is 24 frames per second. So it's double the amount of frames in between. So it just means every uh, step in the animation is smoother because of it, because you're getting more information per second of the, of movement, if that makes sense. So that's why you're getting such more fluid motion because so much of what you're seeing is being, you know, quote unquote recorded, which drawn you know at a faster rate so that's why Mm -hmm. it gets that movie quality this is something i meant to say in in my opening essay statement uh i forgot forgot to say that uh before streamlined pictures picked up the film in the united states both george lucas and spielberg passed on it i saw that could you imagine like to 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 release release akira amazing they said it wouldn't like be suited to American audiences, they yeah. would never love yeah. it. Yeah. Could you imagine if this, like, I get, I was can't... released by Lucasfilm or something like that? Or, 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 oh, wow. uh, Amblin? I mean, that would have been nuts. Well, I kind of get why Spielberg wouldn't. Like, I just feel like he's, he's yeah. so, like, and this is not a Commercial. bad thing, but like American. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like, I'm sure he appreciates mm-hmm. all that stuff, but like, George Lucas obviously stole so much. Mm in order like that influence from japan specifically yeah exactly so it would it would seem crazy to me that he wouldn't have for some reason like connected with that so that's interesting yeah uh anyway h is rolling over in his grave right now that we're (laughs) jumping all over our uh (laughs) our little rundown sorry h um okay so my criteria you're good with your criteria yeah yeah i think i can't there's nothing else i could say for sure yeah uh yeah and then me i mean they're pretty obvious i just that end sequence is just so mind-blowing to me so mind-blowing completely just it's nuts uh, like it's just nuts it's just so hard to describe um and i actually said this in my review so tara uh she she (laughs) in our many years of being together she has learned there are just some movies like she's just not gonna watch with me uh akira obviously was one of them and she was like doing work and then she like came out and like just for like the final like 10 (laughs) minutes of this movie and she was just like why do you like watch these things? <laughs> these things? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I just love it so much. Uh, you know, I know. I think a, another example of that is, and I don't know if I said this here. I could have just said it elsewhere. But like last year, I like was feeling kind of sick, and I like took the day off, and I just like put on Midsummer, like as I was like laying on the couch. Oh my like, god, recovering. And she was like, "What is wrong with you?" Like, why is this like your comfort food? And it's like, I don't know. I just like had it on. It was just like relaxing yeah. to have on in the background. I don't know. Especially I, when you're sick. You're like that. Well, they're <laughs> having a much worse time than me. So, you know true. what? I Ma- feel comforted. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so poor Tara always just walking in on like poor the Tara. worst moments <laughs> of like movies and just like opening her eyes. Like what? Like, oh like nine month pregnant wife should not be, uh, should not have to endure the final yeah. 10 minutes of <laughs> of this movie but watching a man become a giant weird baby baby. and then become (laughs) a universe like that is a lot it's a lot lot to take in with no context it's a lot to take in with context so no context even earlier 
Um, yeah, so that, that, that was my Criterion moment. So uh, let's go to our satellite picks. And once again, um, our, our new format right now that we're playing around with is our next three, pi- our satellite picks are going to determine the next three films uh, that we're going to discuss here on the show. Um, so I think we're going to go boom first or catcher first. And then who's going first? Um, I'm, my, first. my pick is next. Okay, so we're going to go Boom's pick, then Catcher, and then we're going to end the Akira, the Akira exploration with my pick. So, so yeah. Boom, what is your satellite pick? Okay. <laughs> it's always Sorry. good okay. when she starts with giggles. So, I've... T- <laughs> oh my okay, God. so there's obviously, like, so much influence, like, from Akira. Like, there's the influence that, like, was drawn for the film and then everything after that there is like a sea of things to pick from mm-hmm. i kind of decided well this is actually a film that was like going through my mind while i was watching this mm-hmm. i was concerned it would be a little bit of a stretch but by the time we got to the final sequence i was like no this is what i want to do um so it's yeah red. and i it's <laughs> and actually before bringing it up to you guys i consulted slim um mm-hmm. tom cruise um oh, what, 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 aficionado. The word? aficionado thank you very much because i was like yo bro is this nuts and he was like nah just go for it so okay. <laughs> slim approved the film i have chose uh the film i've chosen f- to pair with akira is interview with a vampire. Oh, <laughs> okay. God. Amazing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Go um, on. Tell please, us more. Please explore more. Yeah. So it's a thematic pairing. <laughs> um, <laughs> of all, I have five choices that I'm still yeah. not sure what to pick from. This is not on that list. Yeah. yeah. It's a thematic pairing. I know it's out there, but kind of exploring coming into like a power um, or like envisioning yourself as like a monster and something that you like don't understand and can't necessarily control and just like navigating that is a big one. Um, and also based on the thoughts I gave you before about Tetsuo and Kaneda, I think um, there are there's a similar dynamic to uh, Louis and Lestat. So. Mm. We are going to dive deep into mm-hmm. the erotic vampire drama um, mm. Mm. interview with the vampire. Amazing. I love it. As always. I, 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 I like that because my pick is more derivative of uh, Akira. So I like that we're using this to explore like some of these subtext themes that you caught because I didn't really think about that until you, you said it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I love that take. I think it's a great take. So. Uh, okay. That is a fantastic pick. Amazing, amazing work. Yeah, uh, I just Catcher. think everybody's gay, <laughs> like in a good way. <laughs> and this is a Pride Month pick, so I yeah, think that's also they're... very relevant. Yeah. Okay, it's in the air. Okay, Catcher, your time's up, buddy. You're gonna have to choose. Lots of choices. Lots of uh, different avenues we could take it. Um, Boom did not decide to take any of those paths, so that's perfect. <laughs> and make and so now. Okay. All right. So I'm okay. That's it. I've decided. So I was really happy when Ian mentioned uh, Acura as one of the choices. And I don't know if you heard, but I was very much 
kneeing Jordan to go one way or another. And I want to do this because I just like the idea of exploring animation. So I've decided we'd do another animated movie since we're here. Nice. Let's enjoy mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I figured let's... Akira was like the first sort of big anime that sort of made a mark in like sort of Western culture. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to go with Ghost in the Shell mm-hmm. because I think this is another sort of like as if we don't know enough about Japan culture for this episode. This is just going to make it so mm-hmm. much more obvious next week. But let's explore that a little bit more. Explore the sort of like post-war situation in Japan. And also mm-hmm. let's kind of talk about maybe why these two things connected so much with mm-hmm. audiences at that time. And maybe there are some fun similarities. Yeah. Maybe there aren't, but I think it'd be fun to explore And then connected that. even further when Scarlett Johansson decided mm-hmm. oh, to yes. do the best portrayal of a Japanese person we've oh, yeah. did never I not seen. Me- did I not mention that's the one we're covering, the remake, not, not the anime? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing the that's right. No, yes, it will definitely be the animated version. Other than that, I have no other information on it, but mm. hopefully it'll be a little <laughs> bit easier to find. Nice. Great pick. Uh, I have not seen Ghost in the Shell. I don't think in full maybe since i was like 12 yeah same uh so this i'm gonna basically have to treat this as like a first viewing at this Mm -hmm. point nice uh so that is very exciting but yeah cyberpunk themes all that sort of stuff yeah uh cool very excited about that and then my pick um uh i picked because i think i mean it it takes place in a post-apocalyptic world Mm -hmm. um there are themes of people being held against their will to harness maybe an unspoken power or a power power people don't understand. It is about infighting between rebellions and very cool vehicles. And that is Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, Yeah. When I was watching this, I was like, there's no way George Miller did not pull a bunch of ideas from Akira. Uh, yeah. in, into this movie i think there's i think when i rewatch it too there's just going to be a ton that i can pick a part of and um yeah I, I i think it'll be an interesting way about how two people um sort of looked at what a world could be like when everyone is fighting for themselves and everyone is fighting for things that they might not fully understand why or what they're doing it for um, and I, I think I have a feeling there's going to be some sort of theme there. So that is my pick. So good. So ready. I have not seen that since theaters. I'm, oh, I've, been afra- I've been afraid to watch it. <laughs> I don't know why, but this will be good. I have the 4K disc. Uh, I haven't fired it up yet, so I'm yeah. excited to see that on that. Um, awesome. So, yeah, we're going to be covering Interview with the Vampire, uh, uh, Ghost in the Shell, and... Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Find me another podcast that will do these three movies and tie it all into Akira. I dare you. Bring it. I challenge you to send us those podcasts, and you can at synonotspod at gmail.com, where we're going to go to right now uh, because we have a lovely voicemail. Uh, But this first one is from uh, our friend Jordan, who I believe is following up from last week. So uh, let's give that a listen. Hello, Cinenauts. It is Jordan. And Lauren. From his film, Her Movie. And just answering the question that you gave me last week regarding Blowout, when Katja asked me, 
if Blowout was the his film, what would be the her movie now? Because we could be dealing with Great topics. Question. I chose the topic of assassination movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we have an assassination mm-hmm. in Blowout. So what would your assassination movie be? My assassination movie would be Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Oh, wow. Great. Great. Creative choice. Great. It has milk drinking. It has <laughs> Nazis. It has scalpings. And it has a wonderful assassination. Mm-hmm. It does. That's it has for sure. Pro- it has probably the best assassination. <laughs> exactly. Quentin Tarantino wants to be Doctor Who and rewrite history. <laughs> so it lives up many people's dreams of just mowing down Adolf Hitler with a few machine guns. Exactly. <laughs> Not many people have been able to do it quite as well no. in films as he has. Um, so that would be my assassination film, <laughs> which I think would be better than Blowout mm. because mine at least is funny. <laughs> oh, no, That's amazing. I like Inglorious Bastards, though. But yeah, that would be so. His film would be Blowout, the her movie would be Inglorious Bastards. Bastard <laughs> said in full northern style. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for the follow up. Thank you Amazing. so much. God, I love Inglorious Bastards. We're gonna have to figure out a way to sort of weave that into here. Yeah. Um, amazing. So that was like a, such guys. a fun little like tidbit of like their dynamic and how their, wonderful yes. their show is. Like that yeah, was exactly. amazing. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh okay, so we have another voicemail from uh, Michelle Honoré. On Array. So, on Array. Sorry, On Array. Uh, so All let's right. fire that up. Hey, Sinonauts. What's good? What's good? It's your boy, On Array here. Wanted to talk about Akira. It's one of my favorite animes. It's like it's top five, for sure. Like the number one in top five, if I were to rank others. Why is it in my top five? I love it. I love the animation. So dope. <laughs> like brilliant animation for the time as well came out in the 80s as we know and even still it's like the the tip of the iceberg of anime it really spawned all the these types of animes you see today the storyline the plot alone is brilliant the ambiguity in it and just the mystery and it's just so fascinating to watch i didn't have time to like take a break go to the washroom have a beverage you're so glued true. to your screen. You want to find out what's next, <laughs> what is even going on, and like where, where do we go from here? That's like you're captivated. So I just wanted to geek out with y'all about Akira mm. and just show my support. I love the show and um, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. That's honor. He has a podcast. It's called Black on Track, and they actually just did an episode of on anime and like why it's so highly embraced by black culture Mm. um he's also an artist so you yeah definitely it's a really interesting conversation so people should check it out i will check that out yeah fly low big big anime guy uh i mean wu-tang clan they're all big japanese film nerds kanye like we talked about nice boondocks very cool Oh, the Boondocks is like one of my favorite so, things ever. Yes, I don't yeah, like boondocks anime necessarily, but I love Boondocks so much. Yeah, Boondocks is killer. Uh, nice. Well, thank you for the voicemails. Uh, let's go to a little bit of tea with Boom. 
Okay, so I did anticipate like an eclectic mix of pairings for mm-hmm. um, Akira mm-hmm. with us. Um, so I kind of took it to the streets once again mm-hmm. and just asked what the people would pair it with. And we got some fun messages. The first one being antipsychotics. So that would <laughs> that's what they suggest to pair. That's from okay. the that's what he's taking. That's what uh Tetsuo is taking. The capsules. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To like suppress his power or like the yeah. It's reversed from the comic. In the comic People take them to enhance those capabilities, and in the movie, oh, it's used to suppress. Suppressing. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. If I remember that correctly, yeah. Um, Mikey P says the Iron Giant f- um, friend as a WMD created from <laughs> fear of the bomb. Mm. Very. Cool. Also, te- Tetsuo in Japanese means iron. So. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Whoa. Um. We have Mike Rappin says the Frieza saga of DBZ. <laughs> the Frieza. Frieza. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, I don't know anything about anime, so I'm like, what? Is that Dragon Ball Z? I'm assuming. Dragon Ball Z, it is, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, is that the Blue Eyes White Dragon? Nope. No, that's Yu Gi Oh. Yeah. Okay, cool. Same, same thing. Same, <laughs> same difference. Thing. Yeah, same difference. Uh, Jordan. Our, our dear friend Jordan, uh, The Matrix, mm-hmm. uh, Ty, Blade Runner, um, Omar says Jinro, The Wolf Brigade, also The Matrix. Mm. So nice. yeah, fun pairings. Nice. Thank you very much. Yeah. Love all that. Um, well, thank you, everyone. And, and if I apologize, if there are any hardcore anime or Akira fans, please flood us next week with things we missed yeah. or things you think we got wrong but i think okay. we did a pretty good job give us yeah, the context we need you know yeah well amazing so next week we're going to be covering uh interview with a vampire uh followed by ghosts in the shell and wrapping up with uh mad max fear road we got a great month ahead of us folks if we can make I'm it excited. if we can make it we got a great month ahead of us yeah. um but in the meantime i will miss you both dearly and we will talk next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.